If you're ready for freedom from the grind, then passive income from real estate investing is the best way to get you there. If you don't know where to start or what to do next, then the Rent Roll Radio Show is the best place to get you there. Join us while we discuss the best practices, strategies, and mindset you'll need and give you actionable content to get you from where you are to where you want to be. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, as always, I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. Today, we're joined by Andrea Foley with Generational Wealth Capital. Andrea, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on today. Andrea, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Give us your backstory, where you came from, what you're doing today, how you got into real estate? Yeah, um, I got into real estate back in 2005. My husband and I bought our first home. And we live and flipped that house. So, you know, took us quite a while with uh, being only 23 years old and starting that. And um, eventually sold that in the worst possible time, which was 2009. Um, Luckily for us, the Midwest wasn't hit quite as hard as everywhere else with the with the crash. But we still made a profit um, on that first house. And then we just continued to do that as well as build up a single family uh, rental portfolio And um, we sold all of that in 2017 so that I could focus on my business because I started a business in 2007, ran that until up until last year while also doing (laughs) real estate and um, other things. Um, It was a retail store. So actually started as a diaper service. So I washed people's poopy diapers for them. What? Yeah. <laughs> Out of my it. basement. And then I love it. do it the too. hard job. That that is so awesome. But I was <laughs> like, that is that's that's like our motto around the office. So we just like launched property management business and people are calling us like, are you willing to manage in this area? And it's like, yeah, we'll do the hard work. We'll do the hard work. Like that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, the dirty jobs, right? Yeah. So that's one of the dirtiest. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, then I opened a couple locations and um, I was able to step away from it um, and be kind of an absentee owner for the last couple of years before I sold it. And so in that time, I focused more on real estate and did some business consulting, like traveled around the country, helping other business owners like get their stuff together. Right. Like awesome. learn how to be operationally more um, and fiscally more uh, intelligent. And um, yeah, and then sold that in 2022, but we bought our first, when we decided to dive back into real estate, um, we just were like, let's go big or go home, right? And so we um, bought a, we ended up buying, long story, but we ended up looking for hotels to convert into apartments because of multifamily just being a little trickier to get into when you're trying to do it all by yourself. You know, I had zero network zero contacts, zero anything. And so um, it just seemed so much easier to me to take a hotel and turn it into apartments than to build a network and like partner with people. So (laughs) that's what we did in 2021. We bought our first um, little hotel, 32 units and converted it into apartment complex. Awesome. Where was that? Uh, Craig, Colorado. It's a little town. It's like 10,000 people. That's awesome. And so what do you so hotel conversions, they always kind of scared me because of the, the like the room size and everything. And 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 it's, it's I have this bias because of where I live, uh-huh. I think. And like, so I live in I live in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, right? So I live in a it's not, I mean, I live in a city, but in general, the South is more rural and more spread out, right? And we have yeah. room, like, like 
So my partners are from my apartment complexes live in New York and I live in Louisiana. And like I have a 4,400 square foot house on four acres and they have an 1,800 square foot apartment and that costs more than my 4,400 house right. on the acres because we're more spread out. So like hotel conversions in my mind work in areas like Washington, D.C. or New York, you know what I mean, where yeah. people are happy to have a 940 square foot room you know, to live in. Yeah. I think that would be a hard a hard sell in in South Louisiana, just you know, from space. And does yeah. that does that kind of come into y'all's underwriting? Like when you're picking a market, like how do you decide where you're going to buy? Yeah, so it's not because we do focus on the Midwest, which I would say the same thing is true in the Midwest as it is um, in Louisiana, where like we have room, right? Like we're used mm-hmm. to our big houses and our big lots and our and our space. We don't pay for parking anywhere, right? So right, right. <laughs> we're used to that. But um, it's it's more about less. The market doesn't necessarily need to demand um, space, more so who it is that we're catering to. Affordability. And so that's where I can focus on these tiny little markets because if there's a demand for if there's a uh, industry driver, mm-hmm. and there are tons of workers, and it's a lower it's either a lower wage industry or it's like people coming from out of state to live there temporarily to mm. support that industry. So it's either not people's full-time living, you know, maybe they just sure. live there during the week and then they go home or it is the only option for someone who maybe makes minimum wage or barely above as an option to live in. So they don't, they're not as concerned about space and that, I get this all the time with with hotel conversions. That, so that let, me, thing. <laughs> let me ask you this, because you just described two completely different tenant classes. And I, mm-hmm. and I would imagine they're, they probably don't interact well, right? It's interesting because the people that come and don't live there, they are coming and they're like, it's basically a place to store their clothes. And then they're working 12 hour days, 14 hour days. So like they're there. They go work like one of ours is um, they're mechanical engineers. And so mm-hmm. like they come there, they're a higher class person, right? Like they make a right. lot of money, but they're there just as a place to lay their head. They go on site and work 12 hour days, come back, you know, lay their head and start all over again. Or maybe they're um, wor- workers working on a solar plant. Awesome. So they're not necessarily wanting to interact with everyone. They <laughs> live around. So- so down here, what we have a lot, you know, we have plants everywhere. And so what's big in the South is, is RV parks. And it's yeah. the same concept. It's like, you've got some trash, you know, you got some like, some like lower income criminal activity type of stuff going on. And I, I'm not pairing those together. Those are separate issues, but sometimes run into them in the same places. Yeah. And, 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 and then you've got the, like your plant workers who make 175 grand a year working 80 hours a week and they just need their six hours in their little RV and before they head back to the plant. Yeah. It's, I mean, I would say that's almost the exact same demographic, (laughs) right? (laughs) The local people who make, or who, who maybe have gotten kicked out of other apartments and then they're getting a shot at this one temporarily, you know, until that doesn't work out. (laughs) Have you, have you had any issues between tenants or, you know, late night party? And like, have you, have you had more of that than maybe right. in a traditional type of environment? Well, and this first one is a smaller property. So it it could be a bigger issue with a bigger property, but 
honestly, we've only had like two or three people who've been like, like one was a young couple who just like fought all the time. Right. And so then she would call the cops on him and like, you know, there's just like that kind of energy. But between tenants, I would say we've never had an issue. So, I mean, you're always going to have those one-off people that live in affordable housing. To to your point, you're probably better off without the amenities, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) pool, nobody's getting in a fight by the pool. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't. I mean, we don't even have fitness centers. We don't have a pool. Like, And that's another thing a lot of people can't wrap their brain around when they're considering hotel conversions is like, Mm. well you know, dishwashers and full-size ovens and pools and, you know, fitness centers, like those aren't the things drawing people to this apartment. Right. Right. So the other thing you'd mentioned uh, before we started recording, was it, uh, was it car washes? Yeah. Yep. I'd love to hear more about the car washes. I've I've got a friend of mine who has a a local car wash uh, for sale and, and, and if I I don't know anything about them, convince me to buy it. I'd love to buy it. I just don't know anything about them. Yeah, well, we can talk offline about it and tell you if you should or not. <laughs> what what is um? Tell me about. It. I mean, let's let's go into yeah. car washes. How do you underwrite them? How do you find them? How do you yep. make money? I mean, I don't know anything. Like, tell, yeah. tell me, explain to me like I'm a third grader. How do you? Yeah, buy so car washes? um, I am super spoiled because my husband's been selling and installing car washes for the last ten years. Oh, so wow. that is what he does for a living. That's his W two. He um, sells car washes. Yep. How do you sell a car wash? So he'll go so, to like a gas station and sell the drive-through thing. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. That's okay. a, so he doesn't do the buildings, but it's um, everything else, like all equipment, all chemicals, all just everything. So he works for a distributor, and the distributor pulls in all the manufacturers of all the different equipment pieces. And then he has those op- as options to sell to car wash owners and like what they're looking for. So that's what he's been doing for 10 years. Awesome. So you use that skill set to go and buy yeah. your own car washes. Yeah. So, so what, uh, what do you look for? Like, where do you start when you determine? So there's so many different pieces to the car wash industry. And most, I will say that what we're doing is different than what um, other private equity groups are focusing right now in regards to car washes. So Mm -hmm. they're focusing on what are called tunnels, which is where, you know, you pull in and the belt pulls you along and all the wraps, you know, clean your car, all the brushes. Um, those, those are attractive for their high gross volume. Mm -hmm. So they might do 3 million a year in sales. Mm -hmm. Um, so they're more attractive. However, um, you know, from, if you're just looking at from a high level perspective, but knowing the industry as well as he does. And then with my business expertise and like diving inside of the industry, and we have the advantage of knowing what all of his clients do for business. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, over half of the car wash industry is actually what are called IBAs, which are in bay automatic machines, which Mm -hmm. is where you pull into the bay and the machine goes around you and it it can be touchless, meaning it's just the water and the chemicals. So nothing touching your car and potentially damaging it. Mm. So that's 54 percent of the industry is made up of those machines but they're not as sexy as right. a tunnel. So sure. people don't realize that. And they, depending on location and traffic counts, they might not make quite as much gross, but the net is way higher. 
because it's less expensive and yeah. it's got less liability as and for us what draws us to that um particular segment is no staff or one part-time employee whereas with a tunnel you're you have a minimum of like 20 staff members i came from retail where i had you know 10 plus staff members and it just employees was suck. <laughs> the biggest challenge right so um if we can avoid starting another business where we have to have you know 20 employees per site that's that's our goal <laughs> no for sure for sure so you're not you're not raising capital to buy these these um like you'd mentioned you're not doing the private equity thing this is just y'all y'all are just doing direct ownership or well what we're going to do is so we are building our first one which is our personal our first personal wash here in Omaha, Nebraska, where we live. And um, we are going to take our model and we're going to franchise our model. So then we're going to actually offer franchises to people who are interested in putting a big investment into something and, and making the big money, right. Or, and being more active. And then we're also going to offer, we're starting a fund for all the real estate. So we're kind of going to do the McDonald's uh, method here and own all the real estate and have the franchisees lease the real estate from us. So we will have a fund that we'll raise capital for, um, for that particular piece of it. So it's basically like a triple net lease investment. Now, now let me ask you this. Is there, is there an option where you don't own the real estate and and the other question I have is: there's is there an option where you, you don't have to be as involved? So, as a as a real estate investor, as an investor, as a business owner, I've always loved the idea of of the um, franchises. The problem I ran into was like, like, oh, Chick Fil A, it's an amazing company. I'd love to own a Chick Fil A. Well, Chick Fil A will give you a franchise if you spend sixty hours a week. For a year standing in Chick-fil-A. Sterling doesn't have time to wait in the Chick-fil-A line, right. much less spend 60 hours a week there. So, like I I've always been more attracted to the model of like, can I just can we just buy a cash flowing business with a manager? You know what I mean? And yeah. so that that's the one, that's the one model. But then also as a business owner, as a real estate investor, like I want to own the real estate under the car wash too. Yeah. So, like, like where do you go from there? So we will have the option for franchisees to come to us and say either like, I've already bought the lot and I want to put one of your franchises on it or, and like, we're not going to be like, well, we have to buy your land, you know? Um, So it will be an option for them to own their own real estate, but our avatar is not going to have the capital to necessarily buy both the land, build the building and pay for all the equipment. So So it, it will be an option, but it's not going to be. Our how much one. of a how much of a capital investment would would this be? It's actually pretty low, um, especially you know we're dealing in the world of apartments most of the time, so we're talking millions at a time, right? Mm-hmm. So let me give you an example of our particular wash. It's one of the biggest car washes that we will sell as a franchise model, which is a three bay automatic. Um, and it'll cost about $3 million to build the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Well, with an SBA loan, you actually only need 10% down. Mm-hmm. So we're only needing to inject about $350,000 of equity nice. to start this. So compared to an apartment, that is very affordable. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. 
No, um, for sure. So when is the when is the franchise model going to be available for for purchase? Yeah. So we obviously we want to get our um, corporate site built and and start going. We are going to start promoting the franchise in September. We're almost done with all of our franchise legal documents and all that. Um, so we're going to start in September going to like franchise expos to yeah. start promoting it. But we won't allow purchase until next year. So 2024. Awesome. Why the delayed purchase? Um, just so that we can have our site completely open and running mm-hmm. yeah. before we're like, hey, buy more of these. And then hope our, our goal by marketing it early um, before we allow investment is to, you know, kind of build up that that list of contacts as well as find the lots in the interim. So we want to start buying the lots now and putting them into our fund. So then that way, by the time we have, we're like, hey, we have seven franchisees that are ready to buy a lot and we have options for them because we don't want people coming to us and like, yep, I'm ready to go. And then we're like, well, we got to go find you a lot. Nice. Yeah. So, and I I do feel like that'll be our ongoing challenge is having enough lots. I feel like our, our demand will be higher than our ability to find really great locations. So tell me about the location search. Is it, is it a similar, you know, one, one of the, look, one of the asset classes I've looked at is like self-storage and we evaluate mm-hmm. from like a traffic count, right? Like how many people are driving by or, or, or another one is like the density, the density per person, like how many people is there per square mile or whatever. What yeah. are the metrics you look at when you're determining whether it's going to be a great location for, for a, a car wash? Yeah, there's about 30 different metrics that you look at. However, the top few, I would say, are definitely traffic counts. That's that's probably one of the number one because How you, do you find that information? Um, you can usually find it by like digging through the city's website and stuff like that. I know we found it before I was an agent, but now I'm an agent, so I have access to a couple other um uh resources that I can tap into that just gives it to me right away. So you could potentially work with a real estate agent and be like, hey, can you get me the traffic counts for for this lot? And they would be able to get it for you if you can't find it. Um, But that's a huge metric with the pro forma is um, capture rate of the traffic count. So that's one of your big um, underwriting uh, calculations. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I mean, demand drivers around. So is it like ours is right next to a gas station, like literally the same parking lot. That's yeah. huge. And the more gas they sell, so the bigger the gas station, the higher your capture rate from that. Okay. Um, and then like for us across the street is a grocery store. So again, it's where people are not just driving by because you can have really great traffic counts, but people yeah, just want to get home. Right. Whereas where that's where some of the tunnels make the mistake of like, well, there's 30,000 cars a day on this road, but yet there's like not a good entrance. You have to go a block off to come back around. It's, it's so on true. a street where they're just going home, you know? So you have to kind of put yourself in the consumer's mindset of like, what yes. are they doing? Be easy to do business with. Yes. That exactly. is. <laughs> That, yeah, that's, so that's curb the, cuts, elevation, like there's all these other, you know, components to it, but definitely traffic counts and then drivers around are going to be your top, top two. That's awesome. Is there any other asset classes y'all are looking at? 
Um, at the moment, kind of all of our energy is put onto these two because we are in the middle of construction with um, another hotel conversion. Um, that's 144 rooms. So we're redeveloping that project at the moment. And then we're our lot closes in two weeks. So our construction will start in two weeks on this. So we're kind of in the middle of a lot at the moment. Yeah, sounds like um, it. So we're going to kind of focus on this for the next six months, I think. That's awesome. So I want to go to our radio round real quick, just to uh, let our listeners get to know you a little bit better. Just three yeah. questions. The first one is, what's your favorite book? My newest favorite book, because it changes all the time. It changes every week. Yeah. <laughs> is Buy Back Your Time by Dan Dude. Martell. Um, um, that was my favorite I, book three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, after reading that, I was like, duh. I like, cause I yeah. had done, um, he says that like you end up being the administrative assistant of your own business because you yeah. hire out all the positions. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I totally did that with my business yeah, yeah. before, yeah. you know? And I'm like, he's so right. And so this time I'm like, no, I'm hiring an executive assistant. And so about three weeks after I read that book, I, I got an executive assistant in place. So That's awesome. it was very beneficial to, hear it from another perspective <laughs> yeah yeah, and he's yeah. not in real estate so that's good too to be like every business yeah. needs this i love that book uh one of my partners from the apartment complexes uh recommended i read it and then i read it and then i recommended it to one of my best friends who's my cpa that he read it and he loved it and gave it to people so that's a great one yeah um the next one is what's your favorite quote my favorite quote, and I don't, I'm probably going to destroy it. And it's, gotcha. I couldn't even tell you who said it. I think when I found it, it was maybe anonymous, but um, this mountain was placed in front of you for you to, to climb it basically. So like everyone's afraid of obstacles and I feel the like they don't, the they don't see that the obstacle was put there for you because the universe knew that you were able to overcome it. Yeah, And so I just... I know I'm totally butchering the actual quote, but it's like this yeah, mountain yeah. was placed. I'm feeling the, I'm feel I'm feeling the spirit of of the yeah the spirit of it for sure. What's your favorite thing to do outside of work? That not that you and your husband have much time to do anything outside of work, right? I know the hotels and the car washes. Our partner makes fun of us because like we you know we we schedule time to work on like our franchise stuff together and. And he's like, you know, most people go on dates and you two sit and <laughs> write FDDs for a car wash. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I, you know, I took the bulk of the business activity for a long period of time. And and now that my kids are going into school, my wife is integrating back into the business. And and I just love that dynamic so much better where we're like, yeah. we're working on everything together. You know, we go home and like, we can talk, you know, we're still talking to each other. We're talking about work things. It's not work that it's, I like the dynamic. I, I um, yeah. you know, it took me a long time to to get there, but, but it's, I, I find it a healthier way to grow together. It is. I'm especially if your partner's your best friend, because right. if you don't have a healthy marriage, it's probably not going to be easy. <laughs> but if, you know, my husband, we've been married 18 years and he's my favorite person on the planet. So like, it's easy to work together when, when that's the case, you know? Um, but I would say aside from that, we just started kind of a fun little, uh, project with our kids, um, where we're recording podcasts and we're teaching them like financial literacy and mindset and like stewardship and things that just kind of teaching everyone what we do with our kids. And we call it Raise Millionaires. 
because we feel like it's a good way to set that path of yeah. making good choices and finding I got, opportunity. I got a I got a copy of Cash Flow right there, and then a copy yep. of Monopoly right next to it. My my boys are two and four, so they're not old enough to do either one. Yep. Of them. But as soon as they are, I'm, that's that's going to be the go tos. Yep. So we're I think we have nine episodes recorded. Um, and it's just been so fun. Like we have so much fun sitting together and making, you know, podcasts together and, um, and then traveling with them, you know, our kids are seven, 10 and 14 at the moment. And so they're pretty easy as far as like, they're pretty independent. Um, so we can go, we can travel and like, they can kind of do their own thing and we don't have to you know, yeah. helicopter over them and make sure wow. we don't even have to feed them. We're like, are you hungry? Make your own food, you know? So oh, it's, it's fun to travel with them. So there's hope. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, yes. You're you're in the thick of it, but it gets easier. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, how can our listeners get in touch with you, learn more about you, follow you on social? Yeah. I mean, you can find me on LinkedIn or um, generationalwealthcapital.com is our website. And then we do have a website for our podcast, so raisemillionaires.com. And we have a, a socials for all of that as well. If you're if you're a parent looking to maybe listen to a quick 15-minute podcast with your kids while you're taking them to soccer practice or something, it's a it's a good one. That's, so. that's cute. I love the idea. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I really enjoyed it. I learned a, a ton about car washes, um, about hotel conversions. I'm sure our listeners will have more questions and reach out to you. So thank you so yeah, much for for joining us. And I look forward to keeping, keeping up with you on your journey. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate your time. This episode was brought to you by Crestworth Capital. If you're a busy professional and ready to make passive income from real estate investing, then go to crestworthcapital.com where you'll be able to download a free copy of our ebook to help you get started today. Until next week, happy investing.